in February, their increase over 2015 was 20%, which is unheard of. So that's what began to open the doors is like, people are like 20% increase. What the heck are you doing over there? Right? And that's what we said, oh, we're doing leadership and culture change. You may want some of this stuff. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to The Business of Thought Leadership podcast. I'm Nikki Ballou with my incredible co-host and co-founder, Michael Palmer. And we have a real treat and delight for you today on the podcast. The guest today has been one of my mentors. His name is Greg Hartman. Greg was a Landmark Forum leader, and I actually did the Landmark Forum with Greg back when he was a Landmark Forum leader. He was the number one ranked Landmark Forum leader in all of Landmark Worldwide. And if you have an understanding of what it is to become and be a Landmark Forum leader, you would know that is a very, very big deal. He's also been a race car driver, and today he's one of the world's foremost experts on transformation and culture and he's taking his message to some incredible and unique audiences. And it's a real treat and delight to have Greg Hartman here as our guest. Hello, Greg. Hello, Nikki. Hello, Michael. Great to be on with you guys this morning. Pleasure's all ours. Truly it is. Well, listen, Greg, why don't we get started with you really just giving the listener a sense of your background? How is it that Greg Hartman came to be Greg Hartman? What created you and your incredible expertise? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Nikki, I'm going to go all the way back. And when I say all the way back, I'm talking about back to graduating from university. So a lot of people don't know, but I have a degree in mechanical engineering. And I, I came out of school and started working in the corporate world, literally for Fortune 500 corporations as an engineer. And, you know, I had a great career as an engineer, but I began to bump up against what I call people frustrations, like getting teams to work, getting project teams to work in engineering. I was a project manager, so I was actually managing a lot of people. And you could say those frustrations led me down the road of personal development, personal empowerment. Um, which ultimately, if we take it right up to today, led to affecting uh, leadership within organizations and um, affecting culture within organizations. So, you know, you mentioned a bit of my background. That put me on a path of personal development. I'm a voracious learner, a voracious reader, which goes with, you know, learning. And, you know, it had me do things like, you know, pursue transformation and end up being a landmark forum leader and delivering um, transformational programs to people all around the world. And, you know, ultimately led me five years ago to, you know, starting a company with a couple of partners. Our company is called Cultural Architecture. And it really is about that, right? I brought some engineering terms in. So it's about architecting or designing cultures. You know, most organizations, and I'm even talking like an organization, like you could call your family an organization. There's a default culture that just naturally develops. 
and people think that's just the way it is. And what I've come to discover and really having a tremendous amount of success with is, no, you can actually architect a culture. You can design a culture that actually provides for the people, you know, within that group or organization, the kind of environment that has people be supported, nurtured, and actually has the organization flourish. So that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, from when I got started to up to the present moment. Wow. Absolutely fantastic and incredible. And how is it, Greg, that you have had the opportunity to take all this incredible expertise and turn it into something commercially viable? What, what is it that someone listening to you can learn from what you've done and how you've accomplished this? Well, here's the thing, and I think this is really important for the listeners, and I don't mean to insult anybody by this comment, but rather empower people that have a good product a good methodology to really stand in that and take it to market because in the personal development, coaching, empowerment business, there are a lot of what I call posers, you know, people, they did two seminars, they got a coaching certificate and now they think they're an expert, right? So as you know, Nick, I've got 20 years invested in on the court, working with people all around the globe So there's like where the rubber meets the road experience. And then to take that to market, when we started the company, you know, one of the founding partners of our company um, is a gentleman named John King. Um, John happens to be the father-in-law of my other business partner, Mark. And John, with his former partner, Dave Logan, had a New York Times bestseller, Tribal Leadership. So, you know, our formula was, a proven one, but simple. We had people that were good at what they do and had an on the court track record. And then we had John's New York Times bestselling book, which in any audience brings credibility. So that initially got us in the door. And, you know, now five years later down the road, I don't think the book is as much of a factor because in the industries we've been working, we've now got a reputation based on the work we've done and the results we've produced. And, you know, that's now what we're really using to continue to leverage our business forward and generate new work and new clients and move into new industries. Amazing. Amazing. I know Michael's got a few questions for you, too. Why don't you take it away, Michael? Yeah, well, we in a few of the the, the sessions uh, that we've done uh, on the the business of thought leadership, this whole concept of think, sell, and deliver, and you know, you've done a, a lot of years of thinking, you've done a lot of years of delivering, and you've had to do a lot of years of selling. But I'm curious for you, Greg, in your own thought leadership and getting people to consume what you guys are up to, where do you find the greatest challenge? around that whole transactional process? Uh, It's a great question, Michael. Thanks. And, you know, I I like to like tell it like it is. And quite frankly, I think our ability to market what we have and get it out to people uh, like we're lousy at. So as great a success as we've had, there's also a frustration there. Like, you know, we've got a really good product. We know how to deliver it. And, you know, how do we get that word out to the masses? And, you know, earlier this year, as you know, I came up and did a weekend with you and Nikki really inside of 
continuing to, you know, develop. How do we get the word out to not even the masses, but our particular market that we're focused on? And how do we do that effectively? And, you know, that's still an area that, quite frankly, I'm learning in, I'm developing, researching, and, you know, still looking for new ways to really be effective at that. And, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier in the call, but the flip side really gets to me. I see these people with marginal at best products, but they're really good marketers. You know, they have a huge success. And then I, you know, I'll maybe order one of their programs or be on, sometimes people do like these um, informational kind of introductory webinars or calls. And it amazes me because it's the flip side. You've got people with a mediocre at best product, but they're excellent marketers. So I don't know if I gave I, you much. Yeah, no, I think. But. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Greg. This is for any academic, right? They're going to have the same challenge. They're bright people. We, yeah. we had Dr. Greg Wells on in a previous uh, episode, and you know, he spent his whole life studying dissecting, understanding his body of work. And and then now he's done that. He's got to figure out and understand how to get that. And he's done a pretty good job of it to date. But he told us of the struggles, right? He put everything he had into building his brand and building his network and, and doing the actual selling and positioning so that now he can actually, he's, he's, he's just now starting to reap the rewards. And I think this is a frustration. You nailed it. A frustration for a lot of bright people that are thought leaders, but they're not necessarily, they're, or they're experts, but they're not necessarily known for their expertise. And, and, it, and it is a challenge. And so, I, I, you know, some of the things that we talk about all the time is really at the very bare minimum, it's just get your, the gold that you have because you do have that that expertise and everybody listening has expertise. They spent years and years and years figuring out. It's getting that out to your market one by one if that's what it takes. And eventually they will start to see that, yeah, this is not fluff. This is not somebody who's taken a course or two and has some information. You have real knowledge, real expertise that actually makes specific measurable outcomes inside organizations. Correct. And, you know, Michael, one thing I want to put in for the listeners, because it really made a difference, and I got this from um, you and Nikki when I attended that weekend, is because we have a good product that will apply in so many different fields and areas, we were trying to be all things to all people. And one of the first things in your program was about, no, pick your market niche. And we really had success in three areas, medical profession and primarily the dental industry, um, the financial services industry we had done a lot of work in, and then the salon industry or the beauty industry. And out of the weekend, we really picked that industry to focus on and one sensible and one selfish, I'll say. So the sensible reason, it's a huge industry and while affected a little bit by the economy, you know, regardless of whether, you know, the economy is doing well or bad, people's hair grow and they got to get a cut. So, yeah. you know, it's a pretty consistent market. But then the selfish reason was the demographic of the people, which mostly were working with, let's say, 20 to 30 year olds, generally, you know, maybe 35, but it's a younger demographic. And the selfish part is, 
who actually in a day will touch a lot of people. And we really saw, wow, if we can begin to empower these young people in leadership, and a lot of them women who have families, right? They can bring those leadership tools into their families, into their communities, share them with their guests. And, you know, I came out of the weekend really excited about the bigger picture of working with that industry. And, you know, it's funny, the logo of our company is a water drop rippling out. And it literally, I saw the ripple effect possible in working in that market niche. That's right. And, and how has that gone? Well, you, you know, picking that market niche, picking the salon business has worked out excellent. In fact, in the next couple of weeks, we have like a, a huge amount of opportunity in front of us. But I think it was really, um, Nikki, getting focused in on a niche and saying, we're going to put our energy here. And when you know, we did the thinking, it made sense because we can really get to a demographic of people that excites us and we're passionate about empowering and we think can then, you know, ripple out and affect their families, their communities. So the leadership work we do within the organization has the potential to have a much farther reaching impact. Yeah, I really hear the, the, the greater meaning for you inside of impacting these businesses. It's not just about the businesses, but it's actually the people inside those businesses that you're impacting. And that's that's what turns you on is making a bigger difference in, in society as a whole inside of your organization. Yeah, completely, Michael. I mean, you know, if you have a job that's great and it's working, but, you know, home life sucks or whatever, you know, it's, you know, we want to be able to impact that too and have people that are being like, wow, I love my job. I've taken the tools I've gotten here home to my family. They made a difference with my spouse, with my kids. You know, that just warms my heart to hear those kind of testimonials from people as they give them to us. And I think what's really amazing about it is that it's a commercially viable program. You drive revenue for the for your customers, substantial revenue gains, your business profits from it, and it makes a difference in society. And that's, you know, I think what we see people that really are turned on by making a difference in the world. And when you can make a difference and everybody wins from a financial standpoint, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, one of the things, and I'm glad you brought that up, Michael, because you know, uh, one of the clients we're working with now has invested a substantial amount of money with us, right? And, you know, kind of, and is part of a very large, you know, worldwide beauty organization, like a household name, it was a little bit reluctant to promote us to the rest of the network, if you will. And in February, their increase over February 2015 was 20%, which is unheard of. You know, wow. this is an industry where people go for 2% increases, 5% increase. If you're doing 7 to 10, like people are looking at you. So that's what began to open the doors is like people are like 20% increase. What the heck are you doing over there? Right. Nice. And that's what we said. Oh, we're doing leadership and culture change. You may want some of this stuff, you know, <laughs> beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. No, this is, this is, this is really, really big stuff. So Greg, 
I mean, you spoke about marketing, and that's been one of the things that you wanted to, you know, in a very authentic and transparent way, wanted to improve inside yeah. of the work that you do as a thought leader. Could you tell us what some of your insights are around how you can go ahead and do that? And, and what which one of these insights would you suggest to the listener to be able to use in their thought leadership? Well, I think the number one, Nick, you know, I've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast, but it's, you've got to get clear first on the market niche you're going after. And I mean, clear, like laser focused. And I think that in itself is the critical first step. And look, I spent most of the weekend with you guys really kind of dancing around and looking and sorting that out for us. And, you know, once that happens, then I think you can start to do the work to tailor your message, your materials. You know, we're currently working on redoing our website. So it's actually focused on that particular market niche. And, you know, that'd be the big first step I would offer to anybody who's a thought leader get clear on who you want to bring your product to. Yeah, that's powerful advice. That's really, really powerful advice. And as you get clear on that, how are you finding that's helping you in terms of your message landing? Well, one of the things I'm at work on, and I know separately, personally, I shared this with you, but I'm like redoing, you know, business to business. I think as a social media platform, LinkedIn better suits what we're doing than let's say Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or some of those other platforms. So I'm actually in the process of redoing my personal LinkedIn page and then setting up a LinkedIn group that's going to be specifically focused on this market niche and then beginning to generate prospects that are specific from those, you know, that business area, those communities, that market niche. So that's one of the ways. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, we're also going to redesign our website so it's tailored and focused. And then, you know, I'm going to give the bad news. Um, that work will happen over the next uh, three to four weeks. And then, as long as I've been selling, then it's getting in front of people and pitching. You're never going to get away from that. So, you know, if you don't like that, you're probably not going to do well bringing your message to market. You got to still, regardless of all the technology, what we found in the five years our company's been around, business came from sitting face to face with people and having conversations. Yeah, I was just listening to Frank Kern, who, uh, if you've never heard of Frank Kern, he's a, a leader inside of internet marketing and direct sales, direct response sales, and exact same words. As much as the internet can drive all sorts of great information and traffic, if you're selling anything over $100, $200, $300, the game is just to get in front of them so you can have a conversation. Yeah, really good, Michael. And, you know, our weakness has, and I think this is where the social media and internet comes in, has been generating a pool of qualified prospects. But that's the first step. Then it's contacting them, setting up an appointment, and ultimately getting to the place where you can sit down with those people and actually talk 
how what you do is relevant to their business or organization and can actually make a difference for them. And look, most businesses, the difference they want is impact my bottom line, impact my profitability. You got it. And I was down in San Diego, recently down in San Diego at Traffic Conversion put on by Digital Marketer. And what they're saying is that, and this is a business that is all about marketing online, marketing digitally. And they're finding that People don't buy online. Where they buy is out in life, in physical. And so Digital Marketer and some of their companies that they own, they're, they're opening up storefronts. And so it's they want to be around the customer. They want to have a place where the customer can come to. And so it's not just about selling to them. It's also about learning from them. So every meeting that you go on, uh, Greg, is it's an opportunity to, A, potentially do business with someone, but it's also to get to better know your niche market. What are what are, what's going on for them now? What are their concerns for the future? Which just gives you more and more ammo. So every single call, whether you win or lose a sales opportunity, is always a win from that educational standpoint. So that you can better do a better job in your marketing to set up more of the calls, like like you've just gone on. Uh, I agree one hundred percent. Nothing more to say to that one. No, and I think a lot of people are trying to have the internet just serve up everything to them and have hopefully have people buying these these programs uh, off of them online. And, and I think that's a dangerous route. It's about education. Internet is great to educate. And like you're doing, set up and figure out a way to get in front of these people live. Yeah, especially for bigger ticket yeah. items. I mean, if you're selling a $50 item, it's you know easier to sell it online without a face-to-face connection. But uh, if you're selling a $50,000 item, it's a completely different ballgame. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, look, it may work for some products like where you've got a simple, maybe, you know, video educational course or online learning course that's going to leave people with a tool or maybe an insight or, you know, something like that. But we're really about affecting, you know, long term change within people and organizations. And it's just, we found you can't do it effectively just online. You've got to actually be there with the people. And that starts in the sales cycle. Yeah, 100%. That's very powerful advice for the listener to this podcast. You, you know what, Greg? I think what you've been sharing here with people is absolute gold. You know, I'd love to hear from you some of the uh, the books you're reading, some of the things that you're using right now to help you continue to elevate your game as a thought leader. Yeah, so my library is pretty diverse, like from marketing books, leadership books. You know, after I attended you guys, I read the E-Myth Revisited, which, you know, applied very well to what we do. I got a book by a guy named Michael Port called Book Yourself Solid, which is about, it's more geared toward consultants, but look, a lot of the kind of work we do gets lumped in the consulting realm really about booking yourself with people. And then, you know, I've been reading stuff by a guy named Ken Wilbur, which is more background information to further develop the kind of work we do and get insights into how to deliver our methodology more effectively and have it be more effective with people. Ken Wilbur is a genius. He is. He's an amazing guy. He is totally a, a little esoteric for some people, oh, but totally you know, esoteric. I don't 
prejudge people like that. You know, I think everybody's got some gold in their message, no matter how out there they may seem. And part of being a thought leader is really the ability to read other people's material and sift through it and find what is synergistic to what you're doing, what can get under what you're doing, what maybe can give you a different way to language what you're up to from a different perspective, you know, because we're working with people, right? I've even found from the areas of psychology and psychiatry, you know, useful studies and models that we can read and then bring into, you know, our language and make what we're doing more effective. Now, if I walked in an organization and said I was doing psychology on people, they'd freak out. Now, we're not, but it doesn't mean I can't read psychological studies or books or papers and garner good information from there that's specific to empowering human beings, you know? No, it's very powerful. There's actually gold in what you just said. It's very important uh, for thought leaders to do what you're doing, which is to continue to read and learn, educate, and layer in what they're learning into their existing thought leadership. Yeah, agreed. You know, one of the things that we like to ask everyone on the podcast as a means of kind of wrapping up the great information they've given us is to give us what uh, are like three expert action steps that they would recommend each and every listener to to take as a result of what they're learning from you. So as, you know, a thought leader with your incredible accomplishments, Greg, what would be three expert action steps that you want our listeners to take? Yeah, well, it, it, it may sound a little repetitive or redundant to people, but it's just because it's it's really working for us now. And I really believe in it. So, you know, first and foremost is have a good product, develop your product, develop your thought leadership product, what you're delivering, know it well, you know? So you've got a place to stand. Like I've got a viable body of work here that works in the real world that produces results for people. So that's number one. And then I think number two is then identify the market niche you're going to go after with your product. Like, and look, it's both, the one that there's a demand for it, but you know, also it's pick an area you want to work in and people you want to work with, you know, it's, it's your business, it's your product. So pick an area where you're going to have joy and satisfaction working with these people. And then the third step would be to hone and continue to hone your message. So it's effective with that market group. And I, you know, that's, that's the, tough and ongoing process. And we've talked about it on the podcast, as Michael said earlier, like using every sales opportunity, every client meeting to further hone that and get better on your pitch, regardless of whether that particular sit with a customer turns into business or not. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. There you have it. Greg Hartman, an absolutely fantastic thought leader with incredible thought leadership and incredible insights for us. So Greg, if people want to find out about you and your thought leadership, what's the website they should go to? 
Uh, they should go to our website, which is very simply culturalarchitecture.com. There's an area, you know, contact us. They can fill out something. And look, I'm more than happy to talk to people on a personal level. You know, that's that I put that offer out there to people and they're welcome to take me up on it. Fantastic. That rocks. Thank you again for an absolutely incredible episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. You were terrific. Thank you again for your time. Yeah, Nikki, thank you. And Michael, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on and share with you guys and your listeners. And, um, you know, very much committed to empowering what you guys are doing in the field of thought leadership. So thanks again for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. You bet, Greg. Take care. Take care. Have an awesome one, buddy. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Okay. You too. Bye. Excellent. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening. 